Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. I like playing with fire. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 408, The Laws of Inferno Dynamics, is brought to you by Slingshot Hazmat Suits. They're not built for running. Just be sure you're not drunk on Powerade. And Pete, what wonderful timing there. Uh, of course, after the episode last night, the big and exciting and uh, frankly new style reveal that there will be the Slingshot web series uh, coming to the ABC website as we take this uh, this brief uh, break between the winter finale and I guess the winter season of the show, uh, in which resumption. <laughs> the resumption. Um, it is odd to push the winter finale when the show returns in the winter, but I digress that, uh, there will be agents of shield slingshot, uh, a, a web series of six parts, uh, focusing on, um, Yo-Yo, the character, of course, played by uh, Natalia Cordova Buckley. And Pete, uh, there's this effervescence that I think has come with Slingshot, even though it's going to be this kind of slightly smaller, you know, smaller scale thing. I've just continued to smile ear to ear. It's so funny that in a week where Westworld aired its um, season one finale, and uh, all the buzz went to uh, the alternate reality situation on their website. Something Matt and I had been talking about had really kind of uh, waned in media. Used to be all the rage back in the lost days. They had several uh, alternate reality campaigns, games, etc. Um, that. Uh, Westworld has pushed it back into the forefront with, you know, how their finale went and how their website has changed. And here, S.H.I.E.L.D., unconnected, but kind of connected in terms of theme. They're bringing the narrative to their website. The story will continue while the show is off air in these three to six minute segments of which we are promised half a dozen so you're you're gonna get you know mostly part of another episode here covering a fan favorite character in uh yo-yo yeah there's really no downside i mean would we all love you know oh it's a six episode six hour miniseries that kind of thing sure but we know the agents of shield ratings aren't through the roof and we know that's why we're not doing fall block spring block block with other marvel in between and whatnot Fine, got to scale down a little bit because the audience isn't there. Not only is this just a great idea and something that we can really continue to enjoy and it's primed for social media. I believe it's going to be, uh, in addition to the ABC website, it'll also be on uh, Natalia Cordova Buckley's Instagram page and we'll be able to retweet it and et cetera, et cetera, regram it, all that jazz. But it's more from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at a time where one scenario is ABC is just playing out these 88 episodes so it can then send a big four-season care package to Netflix, hit the ka-ching-ka-ching button, and move on. Um, Especially with some of the Inhumans news that was out there um, with, you know, it coming in the fall and this and that, the other. It kind of looked like it was dark times for S.H.I.E.L.D. a couple weeks ago. More S.H.I.E.L.D. is a good thing, and this is a vote of confidence. Probably not a particularly expensive one, but this is a vote of confidence towards just how big a S.H.I.E.L.D. fan are you. 
we were handicapping before we went with the mics here today and uh with their 0.8 ratings continuing we do not yet have the overnight ratings from yesterday's episode their eighth episode of the season but they've continued with this this picket fence of 0.8s which i'm handicapping at a better than not chance of renewal will that hold we don't know we know for certain inhumans is coming first to imax for two weeks then to your abc television next fall can abc accommodate two marvel shows at the same time well they've never done that they've done stretches of agents of shield they've done stretches of agent carter and then resumed agents of shield this is another way to keep the audience engaged during the break it's nowhere near the break we've taken the last two years i'm excited that we're going to get back to shield uh in early january and i think we're going to get it in dribs and drabs i think they'd be wise to not do it here's one episode break for two weeks here's another episode break for three weeks yeah certainly you hope that they won't do that the flip side is this a, as you said, Pete, we're getting S.H.I.E.L.D. back sooner than we thought or sooner than we have for the past two years. That's a great thing. Um, and also, if S.H.I.E.L.D. can be a good soldier in the ABC lineup and it's continuing to work for them on a money level or an advertising level or whatever it is that, that, the, that the people who run the network that have to make a product are worried about, if it's working for them there and if they can continually deliver 2.7 million viewers and at 0.8 rating, you know, maybe maybe we got a good future here, Pete. But Pete, before we look too far into that future, should we finally get into this episode? Absolutely. When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser here, Matt, thugs in some kind of warehouse out of my way. I need to see him, him, him who? How about Uncle Eli there? who is quickly told that there are cops surrounding the building. Uh, so is S.H.I.E.L.D. How many? Not quite sure. You want us to go to war with S.H.I.E.L.D.? I don't know. But hey, you know what, Matt? Uh, a hard day's work deserves a hard day's pay. And suddenly, mouthy thug number one is spitting <laughs> up diamonds. It was a great visual, particularly in an episode where you know the effects later on are going to be quite costly. Not a lot of not a lot of camera tricks here, but just edited to perfection. And and Pete, I can literally say I've never seen somebody killed on a TV show or movie in such a way. And then uh, the idea here that the the diamonds are somewhat raw. However, once uh, once uh, you know cut out of their uh, of their natural state they'll be priceless but you might have to keep cutting because the rest are in his lungs that's just kind of that, that's the great unseen pete there's your 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 yellow uh, barrels from jaws uh back to eli though he's making a square gate which kind of made me think pete this is kind of like the round gate that ada had but um with that the teaser is over we get the shield credits that morph into the shield logo on a shield truck pete this <laughs> this looks this smells this walks this talks this quacks like a kevin tangerone directed episode and it is it does and uh what would be the action coming later on if not for the exposition here and uh 
Channel 5 Exposition News on the scene, Matt, to let us know what's going on with an exclusive, Matt, Stop the Presses interview with S.H.I.E.L.D. director Mace. Yeah, he's on the phone, and uh, it's funny, for all the times we, you know, we in the real world watching uh, the news see, you know, see the picture of someone while they're being interviewed uh, over the phone, it was interesting to kind of see the other side, uh, where it's just kind of, you know, he's got his, uh, he's got his assistant and the other people there, you know, the kind of speeded up rolly finger and things like that, but Mace reports that there's an escaped fugitive out there. Shield Is, is merely... it Quake? Uh, it's not, Pete. It's no biggie. Not an inhuman. In fact, it's not really a shield op. Shield's just kind of like helping out uh, the LAPD. Uh, we, of course, see Burroughs is there. He's slinky and kind of uh, still up to no good, Pete. We didn't get any payoff uh, for, for Burroughs being bad in this episode. But I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on to that one. We also, Pete, it's expositional time here. We get recap that Daisy and Reyes can't be seen in public as helping S.H.I.E.L.D. There's more recap. Eli Morrow killed S.H.I.E.L.D. folks with carbon last time, and they need Yo-Yo, Daisy, and Reyes, and Ada's an important scientist and an android. It's the recap hour. I liked uh, the way we saw that behind the scenes, and then the fallout of behind the scenes there, Mace referring to this as a circus, and then that the picture they were using in the promo as he was uh, on the phone was not his best side. And Burroughs uh, is asked to schedule a reshoot <laughs> uh, around all the, of course, uh, movement of the chess pieces here. Um, May and Colson talking about how uh, we've got Reyes, we've got the big guns, Yo-Yo and Daisy. Uh, and Mace circles back, though, Matt, something that has uh, large implications in this episode and going forward to the science team, specifically Ada. What is she up to? Yeah, the the reveal to him that Ada is an android, he takes it in stride. I, I don't have it in my notes, Pete. Does he make a comment like, and I thought I was attracted to her? Was yes. that him? Okay. Yes. I mean... Whatever. I, I'm with you there, Jeffrey. Anyhow, uh, he does say, doesn't anyone remember Ultron? You know, this idea, androids are bad. I will admit, Pete, in an episode where I was locked in, ready to go. I wasn't tweeting too much. My notes are sharp as anything this week. They're sharp as old Uncle Eli's carbon puncture things. I in no way saw this as a Chekhov's gun. I was just like, what? Ada, the... You know, tenth string character who is who is uh, diverting and has brought some interesting twists and turns. No idea that we were headed towards what will be the next arc as we wrap up the Ghost Rider arc. Well, what has been done with Ada is apparently specifically against the law. It's mentioned this is against the Sokovia Accords, and we don't have the fictional law in front of us. At least Matt doesn't. I do, but um, you know, spoiler Pete. But the whole idea that she uh you know goes south by the end of the episode and the involvement of the dark hold and that the next chapter after slingshot played out on the abc website will be lmd will be life model decoy that was mentioned for the first time in this series in this episode yeah the 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 great job that this episode does seeding for for the next arc it, it it really is to be commanded and for the last couple episodes pete we've 
we've wagged our fingers a few times at some of the uh, some of the writerly twists and turns. I have to say, this was th- this was all good stuff, and also not getting in the way of the ongoing Uncle Eli's story and and how it's building there. We're about to talk about how Colson is given the green light for Strike Team Alpha uh, and, and all of that, but really, really well paced episode. And uh, mentioning that Strike Team Alpha, that is, of course, uh, Yo-Yo, Daisy, and Reyes. And uh, we also get a little bit more recap that May and Coulson uh, see Mace as a political animal who's connected somehow, somehow, to Senator Nadir. And then, Pete, the reminder that they've got to have that drink. And that's what I said in my notes. Uh-oh, <laughs> that is not good. When you go back-to-back episodes with the reminder that we need to have a victory dance at the end of it. Um, that's obviously heavy foreshadowing. This is, this is Chekhov's bottle. And uh, what do you know, by the end of the episode, they were cracking it open, but that's not Agent May on the other side of that alcohol. But um, And she has th- a plan. Exactly. She's not a Cylon, though. Uh, love how we have played around all season with the reluctance of Coulson in the agent position again, no longer the director, uh, but here giving the advice to Mace that a good director knows his assets. Um, May is sent on what is called a milk run by Coulson. And, uh, you know, once this is over, they crack that bottle. Yeah, it doesn't quite work out the way they plan. We return to uh, Robbie Reyes, and uh, he has, is told by Mac that he has to wear a balaclava. Pete, that's not baklava. <laughs> it's, it's delightful wordplay. Um, and makes me hungry for some baklava. Uh, at any rate, though. Uh, there's further recap of uh, Mac having held the rider inside him. And Pete, that's when Agent Coulson gets there. Just want to rewind and recap for a second here in an episode that does a little recapping of its own. Um, we are, we can be sure canonically that S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters is in the Washington, D.C. area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That has been made clear. Uh, they said that, you know, Channel 5 Expositional News said this was in L.A., in part because it looks like downtown L.A., because I think it was shot in downtown L.A. Colson gets there from the time it takes, let's see, he talks to Mace, and Colson is given the green light for Strike Team Al- Alpha. Hey, we have to have that drink. Cut to Baklava, Balaclava, boom, Colson is there. Pete, I want to ride on the Zephyr <laughs> 1 that can get me there in the course of a scene. Yeah, and it's accepted within the world that they live in here. Uh, Reyes and um, Mac have really kind of developed this kinship. They certainly both know the struggle of what it is to be burdened by the rider. I love the little amen brother moment there uh, at the end of their conversation. And all of a sudden we have Robbie on the way. Uh, with Daisy and Yo-Yo uh, already there. Uh, Fitzsimmons are paying attention from Zephyr 1, and they're talking about the uh, the ability of Uncle Eli to pull these shards of carbon seemingly out of uh, thin air. 
Um, and we're told very early on, because the title isn't enough, Matt, that this is against the law of thermodynamics, uh, not inferno dynamics, as is the title. Uh, they're also monitoring earthquakes. So if we've got Chekhov's bottle, we've also got Chekhov's tremors here. Pay attention to those earthquakes. Uh, and for the record, Daisy says, as uh, she is with Yo-Yo, it was not her overcomes here. We have the strike team ready to go in. Uh, Yo-Yo runs in another phenomenal effects shot where she's in slow motion. You know what sells it, Pete, is the blur behind her where you can mm -hmm. see the, pre the prior images. Th that is what sells it because otherwise it's just like, hey, they had a very fit, lovely actress run while they did like 100 frames per second and then they played it back at 60 and she's in slow motion. It sells the superpower. the anticipation too of the people that shield would send after Eli initially, it's not clear what the liquid is, is this water, you know, and, and up the walls as well. But when she comes through and you see it splash, you're like, all right, did he lay out uh, water so that he could tell somebody comes through it and hears it. And then you see it ignite. Um, and it, it all becomes clear what the play is. I like, too, that they don't need to over-tell you what's going on. We see the, the super slow explosion starting to happen. It is wordlessly clear that her footsteps cause it. She runs out. And a wonderful shot of the stunt woman blasting out of the doorway um, down to uh, arm on fire. I know I saw on uh, Natalia Cordova Buckley's Instagram page today that she had footage shot by her or shot by somebody else, but just kind of like normal slow motion footage shot by an iPhone of this stunt woman coming out of the fireball. Her arm is on fire with the yep. fire gel careening really fast to the, towards the wall. I, I can only imagine that they had the proper padding and all of that, but that was a legit stunt as, uh, as, uh, the, the stunt woman playing yo-yo comes just firing out of that, uh, that warehouse. It was awesome. And, you know, when you anticipate the, the one super fast character who steps in gasoline and sets it off because of her super speed, then you've got another character who likes to play with fire and he can go in there and try to take Uncle Eli out fire against fire. We come back to act two with uh, Mace yelling at Dr. Radcliffe. Uh, over this idea of Ada the secret, Ada the one who's built the portal uh, by way of that naughty book that helped get uh, Coulson and Fitz back from the great beyond. So a little bit of uh, walking back there by Radcliffe in terms of saying, yeah, she's kind of, you know, against the law and a big giant secret, but look at all the great that she did. Yes, this arch that she's built before, the confirmation that she is an LMD, a life model decoy, and everything that that means going forward, both the, the comic backlog and the rules we're rapidly establishing within this Marvel Cinematic Universe. But the book was involved. The director is interested in it, Matt, and we're yelling at the TV, no, you don't want to know more about it. Everyone who knows more about it, it's a problem. But interesting the way it's described. It's like a tablet that can read your mind. Great line there. Back we go to L.A. Uh, Mac wants Yo-Yo to be checked. This, of course, after that amazing fireball. But she's fine. Um, 
she says uh, that she just got hit by giant fireball and Mac is treating her like a nina. <laughs> Pete, it, you know what's sizzling in this scene, Pete? And it's not the smell of uh, freshly scorched hair. It is the energy between Yo-Yo and Mac. I hope we get a payoff at the end of the episode. Yeah, Henry Simmons and Natalia Cordova Buckley. I don't think there's another couple apart from maybe uh, Colson and May that you root for. And, and here we got the the two uh, former uh, stars uh, brought together by the end of the episode. So maybe there's hope for the latter, Matt. But uh, for this exchange to happen here and to, to come full circle by the end of the episode, not being cold, having just been hit by fire here, uh, we suddenly are with uh, Robbie, who's wearing a camera that uh, they're able to follow the feed with here. He fights a guy off, and then all of a sudden he sees this box, which Fitz and Simmons walk him through what it might be. Is this a giant battery? Oh, wait, don't go in it. There goes the comms. Those ridic- ridiculous comms always uh Always firing out. We get that uh, Fitzsimmons scene, of course, intercut there, as as is the S.H.I.E.L.D. way. Uh, is Uncle Eli making his way through the entire periodic table? Uh, which was an interesting way to communicate, I think, in a very science-y way, but in a very basic way. Hey, this is getting more complex. As opposed to saying, hey, what he's making is getting more complex. It was kind of like a high science answer, but come on. Periodic table, you know, it gets more complex or whatever as it goes on. Uh, so a good bit of writing there. They mentioned uh, cesium as a uh, an element uh, highly unstable that Moreau has moved from carbon. He's now testing his abilities. But Fitz, Matt, has seen this setup before. With that, Eli faces Robbie. He shouldn't be there. And Pete, we get, all right, here it is, showdown time. We're about 25 minutes in. Robbie starts to fire up the old Ghost Rider. Mid-transformation, he's spiked by a carbon um, spike. Uh, <laughs> and I like that the show commits to it, and they're going to do it again. And, yeah. and well, then, you know, <laughs> he'll be successful the third time, as uh, as stories are wont to be. But, um I like that we're so used to just, yeah, Ghost Rider time, that they kind of deny us that. Um, And indeed, the story denies us more Ghost Rider. We go back to the plane where there's an explanation about what's in the center of the box, Pete. What's in the box? But if Matchstick, as uh, Reyes is referred to there by Mac, if he messes with this, well, you know, obviously there's a problem. There's a discussion here about, um, well, Simmons has, has called everybody's attention to the fail slave slash fuel source here um, and that the plan B uh, is something Colson needs everyone to consider. Hey, what is that plan B, by the way, Matt? No plan B, apparently, as we go to the act break. And in act three, revelation, Robbie is not dead. Whew. I was concerned that they would kill an important character to this season uh, off screen. Um, Uncle Eli discovers that Robbie has a secret, too. There's uh, some ketchup brought to the table, metaphorically speaking. Uh, Eli 
is reminded or told for the first time, we, the audience, are reminded that Eli was the drive-by target, and now it's showdown time. We get a reminder that Gabe was the real victim here, and uh, why is it that Uncle Eli has become a, a killer? He he had a way out. He had a PhD, a good job, um, but Eli speaks about how he felt uh, that he was considered to be incapable. He was shut out. Uh, at least that's how he's he perceives the situation and uh eli can make so much now now that he's becoming a god right uh says that it's not about vengeance like it is for the ghost rider it's about respect from high school to graduate school no one believed in him now he can cover an entire city in volcanic rock so yeah but matt gods need to face devils and he's got one in the Ghost Rider there, but the Ghost Rider gets impaled with another carbon spike. So obviously there's an impediment, but Eli doesn't have any pangs of conscience here. He offered uh, his nephew an opportunity to leave. Whatever happens is on him. Back we go to Zephyr 1. Mace is there. Radcliffe 2. Ada as well. She's brought the arch. Mace wants to be more involved. Uh, there's discussion as to whether he really is uh, the best one to be serving on a ground op. So we, we get some tension there. And we also, story-wise, touch in with Fitzsimmons um, and, uh, and Daisy. They don't trust Mace. So Pete, there's just distrust and drama everywhere in the air. And some mistrust within the team there. Fitz confirms that Daisy was not responsible for the quakes, which she has said, but he's now been able to do that. And part of what makes this episode so successful dramatically is that conflict within S.H.I.E.L.D. and our characters in conflict with one another. You know, Daisy, by the end of this episode, is brought back into the family where, you know, she's essentially public enemy number one right now. Uh, with the Ada Arch there um, and the, uh, you know, the developments that, that that creates. And I love to, before the end of the episode, how we're building Ada more and more. You know, here there's a joke she doesn't get. We need to work on her some more. Yet all the development she's gone through essentially off screen. Also on off screen was the initial presentation of Mace's plan. So a little bit of a, of a story quickness here because instead we get Max's response because he's, he's just upset at the idea that, uh, that uh, Yo-Yo is going to run in while wearing a radiation suit to go get the plutonium. Um, and it's made clear, too, because we're being kind of narratively efficient here, that uh, Mac really cares for Yo-Yo for Elena. Pete, shouldn't he have made that move three months ago. After all, she's not a mind reader. Yeah, the the tension amped up between the two of them really works. Where was that concern before? Daisy and the tension there, um, you know, that an inhuman is directing other inhumans um, and Daisy is now feeling these quakes coming on and we have the back and forth with, uh, with Fitzsimmons uh, where Fitz ultimately settles on this metaphor with the tremors and the energy of home, but then brings up plain old 
larceny, theft, Matt. Which, though it's not the end of an act, to to break from that storyline with the with the the mysterious singer of grand larceny, it was like, wait, what? I don't understand. I mean, again, really, really nicely written episode because Fitz knows what he's talking about. The audience doesn't. It's an area of interest, so of course you cut away. It's it, you know we're back to the roller coaster of Shield. Um, we're also back, Pete, to the the Bay of Zephyr One, which in no way, as we've said before, is in no way a redress of the Bus Bay. Um, Mace and Coulson they have their showdown. How dare Coulson go rogue? Um, you know, the, the, there's the accusations that Coulson's trying to run his own his own subgroup there behind Mace's back, but Mace gets it back from the suggestion that he's doing things behind Mace's back. He's reminded that uh, Mace says that he has his Senator Nadir secrets and uh, he defends it by saying that he's being blackmailed kind of sort of, you know, with the whole Daisy and Reyes and the prison thing. There are pictures of it and Mace has to defend S.H.I.E.L.D. at all costs. Right. And Daisy brings up the point here. Why would Mace, as an inhuman, align himself with someone who hates inhumans who hates them daisy mace people like them uh the whole team that trusts thing well they're not a team at all right now back we go to eli where he reveals that he can create water now pete that's just out of nowhere i mean some, sometimes you could turn beer into water but that's a different story eli is creating water really nice i don't know whether it's a practical effect or a digital i assume practical with a tube but to see that glass filling up with water a reminder that eli is turning to a god and then colson arrives he's uh he's flanked by two goons who i was perpetually unclear as to whether they were shield or whether they were eli goons but regardless colson tells eli that he's not a god he's a thief yeah that Eli is able to go from uh, elements to compounds now, further uh, drunk in his own power, as Coulson points out a moment later here, um, that he's creating life. Uh, He tells him he might want to get a girlfriend first (laughs) as that third act ends. Act four, Pete, it looks like great act four banter between the lead of the show and the the, the arc bad guy turns out it's not just great banter it's a delaying action because the camera moves down just below them Fitzsimmons and Daisy and Radcliffe and Ada are setting up the uh, dimensional thing that does the whoosies and the whatsies and uh, they're looking for a use of the plutonium to help power it I liked that uh, Coulson's allowed to uh, have brought the chain we've seen that before they're unfamiliar with what's going to happen, even though they've taken it away from him. So that's Chekhov's chain. But with Ada, uh, the the oft-talked-about within the Marvel Cinematic Universe idea of science and or magic here, and still not quite up on the vernacular, is she. And again, by the end of the episode, things are a whole lot different. There is, of course, the quick reminder there that uh, that Quake is trying, trying to absorb the Quake energy. Back upstairs we go. Uh, Pete, it's a regular Downton Abbey, what with the upstairs-downstairs action going on in this episode. Um, Coulson tells Eli to wake up, but Eli says he can create life after death. 
Uh, the Darkhold has shown him. And Coulson also figures out at this point that the bomb isn't a failsafe. It's his end game. But downstairs again we go, Pete. They're all in place and ready to go. Then upstairs, they're ready to go too. Pete, are you ready? Because they're ready. The theft is finally revealed here. He's stealing energy. That idea that energy um, can't be created. It's got to come from someplace else. So obviously the absorption of this energy is eventually going to come through here. That's why they have the box here. This is a quantum energy box. There's a seismic rift and there's the rule that uh, the more he takes, the bigger the quake. He's a fraud, Matt, is not what you call the the guy with all the power here. Uh, but we're back with Ada telling us that quakes are, are getting stronger. This is compared to a wave. And the plutonium could go nuclear. Robbie upstairs is told to fire up and uh even mace is in on things wearing his brand new mace man outfit and pete we come to a point in the episode where two things happened back to back and 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 i was wondering what was going on first you see clearly it's not quite the center of the action you see clearly colson just turns and points the finger gun you know like you make a finger you use your fingers to make a gun pointy thing I'm like, what's going on? Then they cut to a, sh- a, a wider shot of uh, of Mace hitting a guy. And then the scene just stops. And for a split second, I was like, oh, great. Channel 7, they're going to break in with the news. They're going to say, <laughs> you know, c- commuter accident. Or, you know, like, wh- what's going on? What did Hydra do in Earth Prime this time? You know, and and I think they hold it. They hold that pause for just a split second long enough for you to think something has gone wrong with your TV, with your cable, with your whatever. Then we get the great introduction of Yo-Yo, moving things around her. Pete, it's almost like we saw a, a Speedster moves things around in another movie where that was the best part of that movie. And here it's just de rigueur for a great episode. The yo-yo, things. The Yo-Yo slow-mos here. Uh, Ghost Rider finally is able to pop through. That arch uh, has opened, but Daisy says that this is too strong. Ada steps in uh, and in front of a bullet here saves Fitz and Simmons. Uh, Robbie is grabbing the chain from Coulson and uh, Eli is suddenly in that box. They struggle. The little uh, door on the other end closes, he yells, and they both disappear. Our heroes are shocked. Downstairs, Quake needs out. Ada's feeling real pain. And there was, there was such a heartfelt description here from Ada, kind of analyzing her own, her own pain sensation. It, yeah. it, it really was a lovely little moment. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously... Um, actress Mallory Jansen is not the center of the show, um, but it, it's just kind of this this small voice, and she she comes across as so vulnerable, setting us up for quite a quite a twist in a little bit, I might add. Um, but uh, Daisy needs to get out, get out. Uh, she runs out, she flies off up, up and away over L.A., and then Pete, of all places for her to land, guess where she lands? <laughs> Great story set up from the first act. 
in front of Exposition News Team 5 and all the other exposition teams of the Exposition News Networks. But, uh, oh, you've been here the whole time, and thank goodness there's Director Mace in his new super suit to address. Uh, yeah, this was a lie. She wasn't responsible. Agent Johnson saved us all, tells um, Daisy, just go with it. And then, Pete, he does what we all do and have all done for hundreds of years. He extends his left hand in order to still keep his face and chest facing the camera, news or television. And he shakes left hands with her because that's how you do it, right? (laughs) When you're heading into the fifth act, why not? Act five here, Matt. And we've got the charger. We've got Daisy's hand. They are aboard uh, the extended uh, ramp of Zephyr One back in uh, Shield HQ. Um, Daisy believes that uh, Robbie is permanently gone here, that she needs to get the car to uh, next of kin to Gabe. She puts the chain on the passenger side seat there. Uh, but Colson, he won't rule out that the original owner is gone just yet. And we're told everybody's in the common room. But wait, before that, Pete, Colson says it with kind of, uh, I dare say, a wink to the audience. After all, the last Ghost Rider made, made it out. And Daisy says, wait, what? And he says, oh, long story, but wink, wink. And um, further winking, Colson is glad to have her back. It is suggested that he wanted Daisy to eventually be the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe in the comic book version. Right. <laughs> Which, of course, we know to place but uh you know that that she's back in the the fold here that uh they missed her too uh we were still playing around with that surrogate father dynamic that we have for the better part of four seasons when kyle mclaughlin was not directly playing dad um yeah there's a there's a few new rules and and everything else but uh the, the band would seem to be back together. And Matt, who else is together? Well, we see that uh, Mac is kind of cozying up there to Yo-Yo for a beer. She wants him to, to fess up, darn it. Mac explains that he went to a bad place in his head and he wants to talk to her. Then Pete, my TV started to melt because they kiss. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, friend, is that what they are? And then all of a sudden they're locking lips and, uh, you know, he doesn't want to be called turtle man anymore. Uh, but Daisy and Colson see, so there's, there's just this, uh, nice vibe after all the tension that they've come together. The TV voiceover is letting us know that according to director Mace, uh, you know, everything was uh, hunky-dory. And uh, and then Colson Matt, says, it sounds like Senator Deer has lost her trump card. Mm. Metaphor received. Keep uh, it moving, Pete, because people don't listen to this podcast for explicit social commentary. We can do so with metaphors like, Pete, that Senator Nadir... I think it's not going to work out long term. 
Uh, nor should they listen to a podcast for uh, political overtones. But uh, we have a lanyard now for uh, Daisy rejoining the fold here in the spectrum of security. She's uh, She's got blue. Um, it's a shame, points out Simmons, that Agent Koenig wasn't there to give it to her. And then uh, we have a discussion here between the director and Dr. Radcliffe about uh, Ada, that there's going to be a uh, reprieve for her. However, the program will be kept alive. Matt, I've just gotten word that Agent Nathanson, he's been sent to Radcliffe's lab to retrieve all the materials, all the work on the LMD will now be done under direct shield supervision and then is that is that the same agent nathanson where we made fun of the show when they explicitly named him then kicked him out of the scene last week and we certainly me was slash were like why would you do that that's just ridiculous and it had no payoff then but now it does now it has the payoff uh nathanson is at the lab there he's on the phone kind of nonchalantly with the director, we only hear the the discussion on the one end there. Yes, sir. Of course, sir. Uh, team the triumphs. Yes, sir. Beep. What's that, Matt? Oh my God! I love that we don't see what it is, but we see Ada there pretty quickly. She apologizes to him uh, and then swiftly breaks his neck. And how Pete, about that... apologizing because she knows how this feels? Mm. Yeah, a, a, a cold-blooded scene, but only belying what is about to happen after these uh, quick commercial messages. The tag scene, Matt, takes place in the same lab. We see Ada carrying a bowl uh, with a cloth dangling from it. Uh, there are... Uh, bloody drops, uh, and suddenly we are looking at uh, Agent May, who she gives her apologies to. She'll have her cleaned up in no time. Uh, pretty ominous, Matt, as we head back to S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ. With this thought here, well, if she's got May in there, then I'm, I'm quickly like rewinding the episode going, wait, what exactly did May do in this episode? What's going on? And of course, the show wants you to be thinking there, but is also moving too fast for you to feel anything but panic. Because if there's May in the robo-charging closet, then back at S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ, Pete, it must be Robot May. Back in the break room, having that drink, it's Robot May. Yeah, you know, once they crack that bottle, but uh, May tells Coulson and tells us she's right where she needs to be. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys, Matt, Uncle Eli Moreau. A serviceable bad guy for these uh, episodes, obviously not uh, not in every last episode, but somebody who gave us access to Ghost Rider and Supernatural and the tech to to pin a lot of it uh, back under, and um, he, he will be missed. Certainly not the most charismatic bad guy that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has had, but also existed uh, at the service of good guys, which is uh, kind of how you do... 
pretty good storytelling most of the time. We have unusual powers. We have a connection to the character. But it's like you said, he's a he's a serviceable enough bad guy. He moves the story forward enough, generating that conflict with our character. And by the end of this episode, we're we're better for having had him. But at the same time, we're not exactly going to circle him in greatest villains of all time on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I give the show credit for uh and how do i want to word this i don't know that i completely believe a bad guy who given these powers is ready to destroy everything i don't i'm not necessarily going to rely on him as a reliable narrator but i like that the show if only for a few moments says hey part of what drives him is a lifetime of receiving discrimination and in a show that's about Sexy robots and superpowers and exploding interdimensional thieves and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Take a quick little time out to say, hey, let's consider how we treat each other. That I can get behind. Well, speaking of sexy robots, Matt, uh, Ada, played by Australian actress Mallory Jansen here. Yeah, as stated at the top of the episode, this is a this is a solid twist. This is a good twist. Um, perhaps if only because uh, you and I and so many uh, listeners have doubtless spent the last ten weeks mentally inhabiting the world of Westworld, where finally, like, okay, well that's over. Back to our other shows. Um, surely there are no killer robots in this one. <laughs> um, so I kind of, <laughs> as a side note, the Shield people must must just be like oh my goodness i had no idea that we were going to look like a ripoff even though we were writing this you know concurrently or at least writing in the blind compared to compared to westworld but um pete killer robots the hot commodity now i dare say that the westworld live ratings are equal to the agents of shield live ratings so bring on the fembots for them to finally name check the life model decoy something that we have suspected for the 74 episode run of this show (laughs) back to how is colson alive mystery um you know to finally admit we're there comes with a certain degree of payoff and then as we've speculated all along before we knew what this android was called and and what program it belonged to is who else could be a android who else could be a life model decoy an lmd now and there we are with robot may uh you know in in the uh in the family matt so we we said it at the outset of the season. We said it at the end of the third season. This opens up an entirely new way to look at character. Nobody's ever dead. <laughs> well, that that certainly is true, and it begs the question: Do we have do we have a scene lined up for the second half of the season where Robot May dies and people don't know it's her and it's the fake out death? Yeah, we could see that coming. How about for dramatic storytelling, what if they kill off real May and then have to explore, you know, uh, May B, May Robot? <laughs> I like uh, I like May B. May B. Oh, Pete, we're going to have to get on the social social medias to share that one. But, yes. um, you know, that would be a daring story move. 
and not knowing what the fate of the show is beyond the the guarantee of completing this fourth season as you said i believe off mic pete it's it's a guarantee that there are less shield episodes ahead of us than are behind us the fact that we are looping around to this mystery that everybody had figured out back in episode 110 that somebody is an lmd it's kind of fitting that here we are in the i don't want to say the final or 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 the the concluding seasons how about that in these concluding seasons that we're back to to that place i like endgame here you know it's it's mentioned in the episode and clearly shield has things that it wants to do before it's done. Okay, now we can have it out in the open. We're going to have a skein of episodes called LMD where these first eight episodes were under the umbrella of the Ghost Rider. Okay, game on. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, Ada, May, May, B, what's going on? I love that it's a box full of mysteries. Clearly, Ada is up to something. Um, I think that we can assume the worst. Could there be a twist and a turn where it takes uh, three or four episodes for Ada to say, I'm sorry, I was just trying to learn things. Now I am good. And everyone says, aw, you're Dr. Radcliffe's surrogate daughter, which just adds to Radcliffe's creepiness. But aw, welcome to the team. Sure. It also could be five episodes from now, she's got guns for hands and it's just you know firing away at people and it's it's mass hysteria this is what you want out of this show which is wild twist wild turns sci-fi meets action meets comic book meets the real world this is a super exciting twist in an episode that solved a lot of uh, a lot of um uh, you know theories and, and answered a bunch of questions from the ghost rider arc Bring it on. Bring on the second half. Bring on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. LMD. We've said it for 74 episodes and for three and a third seasons. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is better when Ming-Na Wen has more to do. That being said, Matt, this is the second time she is playing a doppelganger. We went through the whole Agent 33 face uh, my enemy situation all the way back in season two and now we got a double may situation i hope at least that's referenced played upon the one other thing i wanted to mention was that senator nadir who does not appear in this episode parman Inagra does not show up but she's clearly uh outed as someone who is bad both with our good guys and with the director of shield and we still have her in human uh is it her brother uh i guess <laughs> uh her presumed dang- brother dangling out there um you know curious to see what will go on there and how that could be impacted by this next arc i hope that the show which is, of course, um, the show's production is noteworthy for the diversity behind the camera. I hope that they that they take that storyline to a place where it's like, Senator Nadir, how can you hate a family member just because they are different? How can you hate someone who is brother either 
as is literally the case between the two characters, but brother by blood or brother by by humanity. How can you hate someone for their differences? And you know what? Let's go shield. Let's go there. Let's bring that in there a little bit. Let's make let's make Senator Nadir the baddie, not because she's in charge of the android army, not because uh, she's gotten the alien brain rewrite, not because she wants to conquer the universe. She's a baddie because she's a bad person. Let's have some story time for that. Let's check the wire. Pete, first up is an email from Noah Gregory. Uh, this was sent, Pete, four minutes after the episode ended. That's how we like our decrypted transmissions. Enthusiastic. And, and as you're, you're getting ready for bed after Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he says, what the crap? Question mark. <laughs> okay, the show appears to be implying Ada has turned evil in some sense of the word. But I believe she may just be creating the LMD program herself, creating LMDs for each person. On another note, uh, the beginning of the first episode, Ghost Rider burned someone from a distance. This was never visited again. Will it be? Hopefully. And that's from Noah. So, Pete, let's start with the the burn first. Are we going to see the long-range fire again? I think that's, hey, we need to quickly move from story point A to B. Okay, his powers are kind of... uh, mysterious uh, he just projected the flame and and did that i i think that's nothing more than that i'm very interested in the idea that ada is on the lmd program herself and that she would be coming up with a failsafe backup for each member of our team some of whom already have robotic parts some of whom have been uh doubled up before I love that. Moving on, Pete, we had a a tweet, a request from Ms. Baltimore on Twitter. That's uh, Jupiter Julep 24. She says, might I make a request? Could you go into depth about the parallels between season two of Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ghost Rider? So, Pete, why don't you start it? Well, this would, of course, all be tied between Agent Carter and this half of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Doctor Strange uh, feature film in the dark matter and uh, the use of arches here to manipulate things in another dimension. Uh, And indeed, in uh, season two of Agent Carter, there were uh, zero-point energy experiments at Isodyne Energy. So this idea of uh, energy from another dimension, energy from the great beyond. Um, And we saw uh, one of the characters get get ghosted um, in uh, in the course of that story. And uh, there was an arch... Uh, a bit more, uh, a bit more 1940s, a bit more clunky looking, but an arch built there that helped uh, helped solidify him on uh, his ghosting process. He was visible to everyone, just you know, kind of uh, non-corporeal. And um, I, I, I like that the show kind of touches on that. I know they name checked Agent Carter yeah, uh, at one point, and it was just yeah, it, it was it, it was the warm and fuzzies, Pete. The harnessing, too, of, of dark energy. You had a villainous in uh, Whitney Frost, uh, and a, a retcon of uh, Madame Mask in the comics, who was uh, 
who had absorbed dark energy and was manipulating that and, and looking for more as well. So very much the entire season two plot of Agent Carter. Uh, and I know there was a lot of speculation in corners last night. The reveal that was promised would be more Agent Carter coming now that uh, Haley Atwell's uh, show conviction has been ceased after 13 episodes. But no word on that, Matt, just yet. Pete, we got an email. We got a tweet. Do we get anything on the Faces book? From the Facebook, Greg Gear wrote in, Matt, and he writes, Hey, guys, a note about names for this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Although he hasn't been referenced as such on the show, the writer has been identified in the comics as a demon named Zarathos. Uh, I wonder if we'll get a name check before the season is over. Additionally, I can't help but think that Ada was named after Ada Lovelace. Ada Lovelace was the daughter of the poet Lord Byron, a gifted mathematician who is considered to be the first computer programmer. She was the first person to develop algorithms to be executed by machines. I won't bore you with the details unless you really want to know. In the 1970s, a programming language was created by the U.S. Department of Defense uh, and was named ADA in her honor. I'm an old computer geek, so I thought of this as soon as I heard her name, but seeing Shields Ada creating her own brain seems to lend credence to my theory or else the writers just thought it sounded cool. Anyway, thanks for giving me a chance to let my fantastic computer geek flag fly. Keep up the great work. I see what was done there. Well done. Well done. Correspondent Pete. I just wanted to mention one more tweet that had us both, uh, us both, uh, Blushing with humility, we, of course, had tweeted at uh, Natalia Cordova Buckley uh, that we were so happy she was getting the spotlight and slingshot, and she uh, responded quite quickly afterwards, thank you so much. So uh, th- a brief message, but uh, one that certainly was uh, heartfelt from our end, and it was nice to, uh, nice to get the personal response there as we were sharing in the love. Definitely. One other uh, communique, Matt, from Facebook, Robert T. Frost writes in, Matt and Pete. I was doing a rewatch of episode 407 tonight to get ready for episode 408. And I just realized something when Robbie came back through the portal, he does so on his own. There is no Ada present to do her hand manipulation. This Mm. may mean that the portal is standing open all by itself. I wonder if the writers might use this piece of trans dimensional techno sorcery. After the winter break. Also, in a million to one against, wouldn't it be fun if the name Hope on the back of the picture Mac is holding could somehow refer to Hope Schlotman, the tragic victim from Jessica Jones? That would be awesome. I feel like there's a bunch of story reasons why they wouldn't. I feel like there's a bunch of story in the way to kind of walk that one back. But I I love that, uh, you know, it's connected by our listener and Facebook pal here, uh, Bob. 
There always is hope, Pete. You never give up hope. With that, Pete, as always, want to give a big thanks to our patrons on patreon.com slash fantasticgeek for help keeping the podcast lights on. It is so very much appreciated, one and all. They really help us do everything we do uh, from keeping the lights on to uh, just providing the wind beneath our wings, Matt. So again, our patrons and uh, Mary Kirk, you're at the top of that list at the category that you contribute. Uh, You keep being who you are and we'll keep being fantastic or at least trying to be. Pete, of course, in the coming weeks, we will be talking about Slingshot. Uh, And if you are listening to us on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast feed, we will still be checking in each week as uh, Slingshot uh, rolls out over these six weeks. Obviously, shorter episodes for a shorter offering, but you will get that here. As well as if you are listening to us on the Pop Culture podcast feed, you'll get a little Slingshot each week. It remains to be seen how frequently we are going to get those episodes, Matt. We do know that the first episode will hit abc.com Tuesday, December 13th. We will, of course, be bringing you that. And we will uh, make a game time decision in terms of the frequency. It doesn't seem like they're going to be doing every Tuesday because there aren't six weeks before the next episode, uh, the, the next Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode bowing in uh uh january uh, january 10th tuesday january 10th pete there are four vacant tuesdays between uh this latest episode of shield and its return so we will absolutely fit those six episodes of slingshot in uh, in a way that makes sense to us and makes sense to you the listeners of course we are not stopping there though pete what do you want to talk about next Should we talk about some star trek discovery well, casting is heating up, Matt. We've got our first three confirmed cast members there. Uh, we will continue to update there uh, for the CBS All Access exclusive that airs beginning May 2017. Yeah, so certainly a, uh, a slightly different take for us. Of course, we've been podcasting Star Trek here and there along the way, but uh Really exciting to see that uh, that new show starting to unfold. Um, before the month is out, though, of course, we will have our our traditional rewatch, Pete, of a Christmas story. And uh, does that just come by itself, Pete, or is there all the fixins? It it doesn't. Uh, along with that, you get the traditional fantastic geek uh, rewatch of another movie with all the trimmings so that will be a surprise as to what it is uh you can certainly attempt to influence us via social media but uh the the christmas story is already in the can the other one will be recorded as we get closer to the holidays oh yeah matt there's also a star wars movie coming out next week there is a reminder to uh, to keep hope, to keep up the good fight. Sometimes you need to go rogue. Speaking, of course, all in metaphor, Pete, here about Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and just the anticipation for that film starting to boil over. Indeed. And uh, I'll be seeing it a little ahead of you, but we will be seeing it. Ag- I'll be seeing it again together with you. And we will bring that to you uh, next weekend, the weekend of December 
16th through the 18th. So to our loyal listeners on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, stick with us. It's getting cold outside, but it is heating up on the podcast feed. And Pete, of course, the hottest place that there ever was when it came to pop culture stuff is you on the Twitter. So how can people be in touch with you there? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 8,620 followers can't be wrong and while i am personally on twitter as looking back lost you can be in touch with the podcast on twitter as well that's fantastic geek fantastic with the ph we are listening 24 7 we are ready for you just like ms baltimore found out ready to answer your geek questions and break it all down uh we also are fantastic geek at gmail.com comments on fantasticgeek.com and of course some geeky pictures on instagram as well but wait pete there's more facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek you go on there you click the button you're part of the fam as the kids say well pete we will be back next week with agents of shield slingshot and i will give you for now the fall slash winter finale final word stick to optics let someone else handle tactics <laughs> <laughs>